I'd like to start out tonight in Psalms, Psalm 63. Psalm 63, and here's why. I did not know the, the, the songs that Nicole was going to pick out tonight, but um, I was going to read this psalm a little bit later on because it, it really goes with where we're going in this passage of Scripture tonight, but I want to read it now first. And I want you to think about just especially the song we just sang. And I want you to read with me or follow along and read Psalm 63. A psalm again written by David while he's in the wilderness. And I want you to get his heart here. Here is a man who is longing for God. Longing to be with God. Longing to be in the presence of God. Oh, that we would have that kind of passion every day, like David did. I think this is one of the aspects of David's character uh, that, that brought God to, to say about him, he is a man after my own heart, because his heart was so longing to be with God. And out of all the Psalms, Maybe Psalm 63 expresses this better than any other psalm. Notice again the words of David. Oh God, you are my God. I long for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Wow. Boy, if we had that kind of longing for God like David did. Yes, in the sanctuary I have seen you and witnessed your power and splendor because experiencing your loyal love is better than life itself. My lips will praise you. For this reason I will praise you while I live. In your name I will lift up my hands as if with choice meat you satisfy my soul. My mouth joyfully praises you. Whenever I remember you on my bed and think about you during the nighttime hours, for you are my deliverer. Under your wings I rejoice. My soul pursues you. Your right hand upholds me. Enemies seek to destroy my life, but they will descend into the depths of the earth. Each one will be handed over to the sword. Their corpses will be eaten by jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who takes oaths in his name will boast. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be shut up. Psalm 63, a psalm about the longing of God's servant for God. Just a great psalm. So with that, go with me now to 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3, I want you to notice in verses 19 and then again in verse 21... The phrase, in the presence. In verse 19, in His presence. And in verse 21, in the presence of God. This is where John is now. He's talking about fellowship with God and the results of fellowship with God. And he wants to speak to us about the importance of being in the presence of God. In the presence of God changes everything. Do we long like David in Psalm 63 to be in the presence of God, to be with God, to be closer to God, to be connected to God? Remember what David also said in Psalm 1611, in your presence, God is what? 
Anybody? Fullness of joy. Yes. In God's presence is fullness of joy. If we would remember that, then in a sense, our attitudes could be adjusted, if you will, just by drawing near to God and being in His presence and being in fellowship with Him. Sometimes our attitudes need adjustments. Um, we, we need to, to, instead of maybe trying to adjust our attitude in other ways, we need to quiet ourselves and come into the presence of God. And that's what John wants to talk about. The whole letter of 1 John is about the importance and necessity of fellowship with God. And John keeps calling us out to it's got to be more than a relationship. Just like in our earthly relationships, that the relationships that really mean something, that matter, that, that make the most impact in our lives and have the most influence are not relationships where there's just the relationship, where we're just related to someone. It's, it's where true fellowship takes place, where we, we draw close to one another, where we live in connection to one another, where we are glued together and we do life together. And, and John is saying, this is why... This is why God came and shared with us about life because he wants us to have fellowship with him and then in turn he wants us to learn to have fellowship with one another. It's fellowship. It's that that Greek word koinonia that really makes the difference in our spiritual lives. Having a relationship with God is great and that's where it starts. But it's got to go further than that. It's got to go deeper than that. It's got to be about Growing into a fellowship with God and maintaining that fellowship with God, that closeness, and, and even having that desire like David to get ever closer to God. You see, it's just like a good, healthy, earthly relationship. You, you want to get closer to someone. You want to spend time with them because it, it's such a, a great time when you come together and it's so refreshing and it's so energizing and it's so, you know, fills you with this vitality and, and maybe even gives you a new attitude that it just, it changes your whole day. This is what happens when we come into the presence of God. And so I want to draw our attention back to verse 19 and 20, verses that we looked at a couple weeks ago, but I want to start there tonight because I want to speak tonight about what fellowship with God results in. When you and I are willing to draw closer to God and spend time in fellowship with Him and come into His presence and just be you know, come into a place where it's just us and God, and we're just hanging, if you will, what results? Well, the first thing I think John points out that results from that is settled hearts. Our hearts sometimes can, can go flippy-floppy, and I'm not just talking about physically, where we have maybe a heart palpitation. I'm, I'm talking about our heart, that, that seat, if you will, of our emotions and, and our passions and our desires. It can get out of whack. And sometimes we can get upset. And we can get distraught. And, and we, can be, we can become discouraged. And what we need to do is draw into the presence of God because that's where our heart can be settled. Notice what John says in verse 19. By this we will know that we are of the truth and will convince our conscience or our hearts. Notice where? In His presence. Literally in the Greek, it means to set our hearts at rest or to win over our hearts. 
It's not that God doesn't want us to obviously be emotional. He created us as emotional beings. But sometimes our emotions can get the best of us. And the way that our emotions can, can be settled down and, and put in proper perspective is when we are willing to come into the presence of God. You see this. If you study, ever study the Psalms, many of the Psalms, you know, whether it's David or someone else, you know, they'll start out writing and they're, they're so filled with, with emotion, whether it's discouragement or despair or even anger or whatever, and they're coming into the presence of God. We're going to talk more about this later. And, and they're all upset. And all of a sudden, you start to see a change. That as they begin to talk with God, as they begin to get things off their chest, as, as they come into the presence of God, all of a sudden, by the end of the psalm, their demeanor has changed. Their, their attitude has changed. Their outlook has changed. Their perspective has changed. How did that happen? It just didn't happen by accident. It happened because they drew near to God. They drew into His presence. And when you and I come into the presence of the Almighty God, the God who is without limits... The God who is a God of infinity. God can begin to change and set our hearts aright. Then notice what he says in verse 20. He says that if our conscience does continually condemn us, accusing that God is greater than our conscience and knows all things. Again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Even though God has given every human being a conscience, that conscience is fallible from the fall. But God is infallible. God is the only perfect judge. And sometimes our conscience will falsely accuse us. Sometimes our conscience will falsely bother us. Sometimes we have an oversensitive conscience, just as, and it's just as bad to have an oversensitive conscience as it is not to have a sensitive enough conscience that should bother us when we need to be bothered about something. And the author here, John, is saying, when that happens, come into the presence of God and let the presence of God set your heart right. Set it right. Maybe tonight you've come here and something's been bothering you. Something has been upsetting you. You're, 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 you know, filled with angst. My encouragement would be spend time with God. Talk to God about it. Come into the presence of God. And just let God begin to work on your heart. If there's something that, that obviously your heart needs to deal with, then God will make that very evident. But many times I have found that when I come, say, all ramped up about something and I come into the presence of God, by the time I'm done, God has settled me down. And I have a new perspective. So fellowship with God settles our hearts. Fellowship with God also results in openness with God. Openness with God. Look at verse 21. Dear friends, again, a very common term that John uses in his letters. Agape toy is the Greek word. It means beloved ones or much loved. And John continues to remind the recipients of this letter, you are much loved. You're not just, you know, loved a little. You are loved a lot. 
greatly loved, deeply loved, divinely loved. Let's never forget that. And then he says, if our conscience does not condemn us, we have confidence, again, in the presence of God. This word confidence in Paul's day was the most valued right of a Greek citizen. Out of all the rights that a citizen of Greece had, they valued this more than anything else. What is this confidence? It is not only being unhindered by fear. It is the ability, if you will, to be able to speak one's mind. To, to be open. To speak freely without any, you know, uh, fear that what you said was going to come back on you, if you will. And notice what John said. He says, God wants His children to get to the point where we have spent so much time with Him and we've gotten to know Him so thoroughly because we have built this relationship and built this closeness that we are very comfortable. Not that we have any disrespect towards God. Not that we treat Him at all disrespectfully. But that we have such a comfort that we don't fear coming into His presence and being open with Him and speaking freely and speaking our mind. It's, it's what the author of Hebrews says when he says, let's have confidence to come before the throne of God. Don't fear coming into the very presence of God and speaking your mind. It's one of the privileges we have as God's children. It's one of the reasons why Jesus died so that you and I could have unhindered, fearless access into the presence of God to be able to speak what's on our hearts and minds to God. You don't have to respond to this. I, I don't need to know this, but I, I want you to think about this. Do you in your prayer life feel like you have the freedom to be able to go in to God and speak what's on your mind? To say what you're really thinking? Or do you restrain yourself? Do you hold back? And did you ever think about that, again, as a, as a biblical Christian? Because the Bible teaches us, again, because God is infinite, one of the ways He's infinite is He's omniscient. He knows all things. So God already knows what's on our hearts and minds anyway. So if somehow we think, well, I'm not going to let God really know how I'm feeling. God already knows, right? So what, who are we really hiding from? See, God would rather us, even if, even if we're upset with Him, He'd rather us have the kind of relationship and fellowship that we're coming into Him and going, God, I don't get this. I'm mad. I'm upset. I need to talk to you about something. That, again, that, if you read the Psalms, there are many times in the Psalms where the psalmist, whoever it is, when they start into the... They're upset about something, but they're not trying to hide it. They have this this confidence that they can come in and speak their mind to God and God's not going to like fry them. 
But that's not who God is. God would rather us talk it out with Him than somehow not come to Him and hide from Him. Think about it even as a parent. I know, you know, we, we as parents talk about this. Wouldn't you rather your children, no matter what they've done, feel like they can come to you and talk to you about something instead of fearing that I can't go to mom and dad and talk about this because, man, they're going to land on me with both feet and I'm going to get fried. And so what do we do in those kind of relationships? We start to pull away and pull back. We, we, don't, we don't maintain that communication because we're afraid of what's going to happen. And again, not that there might not be consequences, but that there's this confidence that we can come before God and speak our mind and let's talk about this. That's the kind of relationship and fellowship God wants His children to have with Him. And the more time that you and I spend in fellowship with God, that's the kind of relationship and fellowship we'll have with God. That even if we're thinking things we shouldn't think, and like there, maybe we're even upset with God Himself, that that we're willing to go to God and speak what's ever on our mind. That's what confidence means. That's what it means. It means to just be able to speak freely and openly. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? Do you have that kind of relationship even with anybody else, another human being? Isn't that valuable when you, you know, that there's at least somebody else in your life that you know you could talk to any, you could talk about anything to and they wouldn't push you away? They might not like what you've done. They might not obviously agree. But you know you could talk to them about that and you could speak your mind. That's the kind of fellowship and relationship God wants. And too often, even as children of God, we never get there with God. We somehow hide from God and and pull away from God and withdraw from God. And by the way, we're going to be talking more about this on Sunday. Because God's really been moving and working in my life. And I had to go to Nicole earlier this week and say, Nicole, forget the next two weeks of our schedule. I'm doing two different messages. I really feel impressed by the Holy Spirit to just go in a different direction for the next couple weeks before I start this new series in 2 Thessalonians. Do we have confidence in the presence of God? Notice also, fellowship with God results in continual asking. Let me go back to the beginning of verse 21. Dear friends, if our conscience does not condemn us, we have confidence in the presence of God. And whatever we ask, I want to stop there, because we'll get to the receive in just a minute. If you study this, in the original language, asking is in the present tense, meaning it's a continual ask. So think about what John is saying. Again, he's saying, when you and I really develop fellowship with God, guess what it's going to motivate us to do? Ask God for things all the time. Not in a, not in a, not in a, a wrong way, like sort of health and wealth gospel, like, God, I want this and I want this to heap it up. Because 
James 4, 4 says. You don't ask God for things that you're just going to fill your, your own desires and lusts with. But what he's talking about here is that the more time we spend with God, we realize God wants us to ask. He's an infinite God. He wants to work through us. He wants to do through us. He wants to show us what our lives can be like. So he wants us to ask. I mean, even Jesus said, you have not because you what? Ask not. How many times as children of God do we go through life where we could have asked God for something and we just don't? And God wants us to come to Him and ask. Maybe here tonight. This could be a motivation to someone here tonight. You've been maybe neglecting asking God for something. I'm here to encourage you. Ask. Keep asking. Part of our fellowship with God actually draws out our asking. It's like we go to God and we ask and we see Him move and answer prayers. And, and that just motivates us to want to go back and say, God, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep asking for things because I see that when I ask, you work and you respond. And so I'm going to keep asking. And that's what fellowship does. It, it increases our ask. Children of God who don't ask God for much, are really missing out. Because God's up there in heaven and He wants to, he wants to respond to our prayers and to our asks. And part of, I think, what gets us to a place where we don't ask is because we don't spend a lot of time with God. Because if we did, the more time we would spend the, with God, the more we would realize He wants to answer prayer. He wants us to ask Him for things. So let's ask. Are you asking God continually? That's what it means. And then notice very, right after that, he says, and when we ask, we receive. And that's also in the present tense. And it also speaks about the fact that God specifically answers what we're asking for. In other words, it's not just that, well, God just... No, God will literally respond specifically to what we have asked for so that we can look back and go, that's how God responded to that. I'm not saying here that God's going to give us everything we ask for, but we will have a specific response to all of our asks. Although John does say this. John says, here's another thing that fellowship with God results in. It results in a willing obedience. Because you'll notice here again that many people take this verse and only read part of it and go, hey, we've got a carte blanche to be able to ask God for whatever, and he's obligated to answer. No, no, no. Notice the condition here. The condition is, we ask and we receive... From him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him. In other words, when God sees that our heart is aligned with his, when he sees that, that there is a, a willingness to follow him, then he'll answer. If God looks into a person's heart and sees that there is no desire to follow him, no desire to obey his command, then it's going to be different. 
And that's what fellowship with God does. Again, because the more time you and I spend with God, the more we will want to obey Him. Why? Well, because the more we get to know Him, the more we trust Him. Just like you would a human being. If you don't know somebody really well, then you can't really trust them. Because you don't, you don't know whether you can trust them or not. The only way you can get to trust somebody more is by getting to know them better. Some people really struggle to trust God in their life because maybe they've been burned by human beings. Well, the only way to grow in trusting God more is to spend time with Him and get to know Him. And the more you and I spend time with God, the more we will realize He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is dependable. He is reliable. His promises do come true. His word is true. I can trust Him. And and it will draw out a willing obedience. Again, not an obedience because I have to, but then John goes on to say, here's something else that results in our fellowship with God, and that is a growing desire to please God. I want to do the things that please Him. Because again, the more I get to know Him, the more I realize who He really is, and I don't follow His commands and do the things that He asks because I feel I have to, like many people do. It's out of duty. It's out of obligation. No, John says the more time we spend in fellowship with God, we will follow His commandments because we want to. Because we realize the light bulb goes on and we go, God really knows what's going on here and God knows better than I do. I need to listen to God. Again, He's infinite. So, John here you'll notice, is talking about prayer, but he's also, at the same time, in a sense, talking about fellowship with God, because in, in some ways, they're one and the same. And here, John is talking about worship. And he's talking about being in the presence of God, which, in a sense, is one and the same thing. If, if you and I worship God, we, we will, like Psalm 63, we will yearn for God and long for God and want to be with God and come into His presence and spend time with God. And then it's in that time in His presence that we will begin to ask for things and we'll begin to talk to God about things and be able to feel like I can speak my mind to God and be totally open with God and speak freely because that's the kind of relationship that God and I have. How did we get there? We didn't get there by accident. We got there through effort. Effort on my part as a human being to draw closer to God. James 4.4 Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. If I'm willing to work on this relationship with God because God is, He's always ready. He always wants to spend time with me. The problem's not with God. The problem's with us. The more time we spend with God, the more we benefit. And this is what John's trying to draw out here by sharing with us all these wonderful results. Notice a couple others here before we wrap it up tonight. I love this next one. The next result of fellowship with God is an unshakable foundation in my life. 
Notice John goes on to say, now this is his commandment. John now is gathering up all the various commandments just referred to in one comprehensive command. He says, this is the commandment that we believe, verse 23, in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. You could say it this way. God wants us to believe upon the name of his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, he wants us to gather up all that the Bible says about Jesus. Because when he talks about believing in the name or on the name, the name of someone referred to basically all that was revealed about them, all that they are, is summarized in the name. So when the Bible calls on us to believe in the name or to, to rest in the name or whatever, it's just simply saying everything that the Bible has said about Jesus I truly believe in. And what John is calling us to is saying, God wants us to get to a point through our fellowship with Him where we will literally rest all of our life upon Jesus Christ, His Son. Where all my life, again, like Sunday, I don't keep back this part and that part and and try to control it and manipulate it and, and all that. I put all of my life upon Jesus Christ, knowing that He is the only unshakable, steady foundation for my life. It's what Jesus called His followers to when He said, if you build your life upon Me and My sayings, you are building your life upon a what? A rock. Jesus is the rock He is the unshakable foundation. And the more time you and I spend in fellowship with God in His presence, the more that unshakable, steady, sturdy, stable foundation will be solidified in our lives. The less we will worry and fret and and stress over things, and the more we will realize that my whole life has been built on Jesus Christ. There is no more solid foundation. I cannot be shaken. We sing about that, by the way. Another result of fellowship with God, he goes on to say, is loving one another. Believing on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. He's talked about this throughout his letter. Yes, we are to love everyone. But we are specifically called out in 1 John to love our fellow believers, our fellow Christians. Because again, I cannot claim that I am drawing near to God, but somehow getting further away from God's people. See, God says, no, no, no. If you're drawing closer to me, then you will automatically be drawing closer together to one another. You cannot remain at a distance from one another if you're drawing closer to me. Because how can we really love each other as God calls us to from a distance? We can't. The only way we can love one another is to be close to one another. How can I even know how to love you if I don't know you? How can I know what your needs are? How can I know what to pray for? 
How can I know how to help and support you if I don't know you? Loving one another requires that there has to be an an intimacy, some level of connection to one another. Or else it's impossible for us to carry out the biblical command of loving one another. So that's one of the other reasons why God wants to draw us closer to Him. Because God knows when you get closer to me, you will be also drawn into fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, the way I designed it. And then one more. Finally, in verse 24, the last result of fellowship with God is reassurance and confirmation through the Spirit of God. John says, And the person who keeps his commandments resides in God, maintains unbroken fellowship with God, and God in him. It means that God is sort of settled down and at home with us. Now by this we know, we have the proof that God does reside in us, that He continues to be present in our lives. How? By the evidence of the Spirit that He has given us. The Spirit of God continually reassures us. The Spirit of God continually confirms in our life what the will and ways of God are to us. And that's the beauty of it. It's like, again, the more we draw into God and we fellowship with Him, the more sensitive we are to the Spirit. It's so great when we as Christians are are walking with God and walking with each other to where the, the Spirit is just doing all this reassuring and confirmation and stuff. And, and it's just so neat to see. But that kind of reassurance and confirmation, again, comes through fellowship. Let me share one other thing with you. Go to the Gospel of Matthew, to Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to be talking about these verses in just a couple of weeks. And I don't want to cover the entire verse. I just want to take an aspect of it tonight because it really is where Jesus is calling us to fellowship. I'm going to read all three verses. uh, Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30. Very familiar verses. But I want to focus on the first part of verse 29. But let me read, though, these three verses. Jesus says, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and my load is not hard to carry. Now notice the beginning of verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. What was a yoke? Well, again, we don't see yokes a lot today. Yokes were these, you know, bars basically that were fitted on two animals that coupled them together, that joined and united these two animals together so that they could move as one. So think about what Jesus is saying. He's not calling us to salvation here. He's calling us to join Him in life. He's basically saying to us, I want to couple myself with you. 
I want you to be willing to join me and unite with me and so we can move as one. Don't, don't live your life independently of me. Take my yoke and let's do this together. Let's live in fellowship with each other. Every step of your life, let's do this together. How sad that as children of God, there are times where we don't take the yoke of Jesus. That we live independently of God and say, God, I got this. I'm going to do this on my own. And Jesus is like, but, but I want to be a part of that. I want us to be yoked together. I want us to be a couple I want us to join efforts and let's move as one through life. You don't have to ever be on your own with me. Take my yoke. And that's a beautiful picture, if you will, of Jesus calling us into fellowship with Him. I can have a relationship with Him, but still not live yoked to Him. And that's what Jesus wants. Jesus desires us to be coupled with Him, to join Him, to be united with Him, so that we can move through life as one. Let's pray. Father God, I pray tonight that once again we would, we would see the beautiful benefits of being not just in a relationship with You, but being in fellowship with You. Of coming into Your presence, of drawing closer to You each and every day. We even sung tonight about needing you more and more every day that goes by. God, would that be the, the cry of our heart? That God, I need you more today than I even did yesterday. I'll need you more tomorrow than I did today. God, I, I can't get enough. I want us to do this together. I want to be yoked to you. Now Jesus gives us a choice. He will not force His yoke. He asks us to take that yoke. Because if we still want to live independently apart from Him and do things on our own, He will in His grace allow us to do it. But it's so much harder, so much more difficult to live unyoked to Jesus than it is to be yoked to Him. Because Jesus goes on to say, my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. Oh God, I pray tonight that we would once again see the importance of living in fellowship with You. How much easier life would be if we would yoke ourselves to Jesus every day. God, take this message tonight and encourage our hearts so that we might draw ever closer to You in the days in which we have left. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys for being here tonight. See you next week.